0: Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Star Joe's podcast. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. mighty Battle Cat, and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the
1: Star Joe's Podcast, episode 147, Vader Goes to Hasbro. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Title might confuse you a little bit. Uh, it is just me right now at this point, but uh, the reason why it's Vader Goes to Hasbro is because I'm going to review Darth Vader number one. I mentioned in the last episode that I wanted to get back to reviewing some of the comics, especially good jumping on points like number ones or the start of a story arc or something along those lines. And uh, just because of the amount of episode material that I've had collected from Joecon and stuff we recorded before Joe Con, I just was getting behind on good jumping on points, issues that have come out. Uh, so I figured, well, why don't I combine the best of two worlds and I can give you guys a comic review and give you some of the panels from Joe Con. So I did the voice actor panel last episode and put both the panels together I didn't want to add more to that because it was already about over a two-hour episode. Uh, and not that you guys mind long episodes, but I wanted to be able to get that out there as quickly as possible for you. So with this, I just have the Hasbro panel, which is them revealing some of the new G.I. Joe toys that are going to be coming out. And I thought, what better way to combine Star Joes together, a Star Joes world, than to do a comic review of a Star Wars comic and then have the Hasbro panel. So... Um, so I'm going to review Darth Vader number one. Uh, probably next episode is going to be the Robert Atkins panel from Joe Con, and I'll probably review Princess Leia number one in that episode. Uh, if I get the opportunity to, I'll also review something else with that, but at least I'll have Princess Leia for that one. And then we're going to have the episode before Joe Con occurred come out, which was the 19 movies from 1982. So we did a top five, and with that we had Robert on the line, uh, had Shannon on the line and had John on the line, so it was a really fun episode. A lot of craziness happened in it, and I'm sure you guys are gonna be looking forward to that. I still have, you know, the death of Snake Eyes coming up that I want to review uh, with you guys when the start of that. Believe it or not, if I get the time, I actually would like to cover the Gem Number One because I, as I mentioned in earlier episodes, I think it was actually good. There's even issues like Bill and Ted. Return, triumphant Return, uh, issue number one. I might like to cover that maybe with some other titles. Kind of a brief overview of some different titles that are kind of 80s related because there was also the Miami Vice remix uh, that came out and everything. So might combine some of those together. Uh, there's also the Combiner Wars started. So a lot of comic goodness that's going to be going on. So what I wanted to do is wanted to actually go over Darth Vader number one. Uh, we've been getting some feedback, as I mentioned last episode, in case this is your first time hearing it. uh, I want to keep any listener feedback for the next time I have Robert on or Chuck on or another guest on. So this way it's not just my feedback or me responding to your guys' feedback, but uh, it's multiple viewpoints and everything else because you guys have been sending in some good questions and everything else and uh, definitely would like to get multiple viewpoints on that if possible. So Let's just jump right into Darth Vader number one here. So, Darth Vader number one, uh, just to let you know, it actually was. It came out in February. And Marvel anticipated that the book was going to actually sell about uh, over 200,000 copies. But when pre-orders came in, it actually sold over 300,000 copies. So, a lot larger than what they were anticipating. It had 20 variant covers when you count in... Things like uh, sketch versions of a cover, or if you count uh, second printing and third printing, because the covers on those, the coloring is usually different on those. I don't have all of these covers for Darth Vader number one. I, it's not like uh, I did with Star Wars, where I tried to get every single one. I do have quite a few of them, and some of them are really awesome. Uh, some of them are a lot of fun. One of my favorite ones was the Newberry Comics variant cover, which was done by Salvador LaRocca, who's the main artist. And that has Jabba the Hutt there with Big Fortuna behind him. It's like basically Jabba's palace scene and Vader standing there in front with his lightsaber uh, fully ignited. So you have some really cool ones. There's Alex Ross, a couple of Alex Ross ones. Uh, One that's interesting is Alex Ross that has Boba Fett on the cover. And it's Boba Fett from the Star Wars Holiday Special, so the very first appearance of Boba Fett. So he's got the little uh, tuning fork, spear thing that he has, and he's riding uh, on top of the beast that he he actually takes down when he first meets uh, up with the the main cast, I believe it was uh, Luke and, and Han and stuff. So um, that whole special is kind of hazy to me because I try to block it out of my mind. But uh, it's, a, it's a cool cover. There's also connecting covers. Uh, there was the Midtown Comics by Mark Brooks, which was a connecting cover with the Star Wars and Princess Leia covers. Uh, There was a Greg Land one, which uh, connected with Star Wars and Princess Leia. And then there was also, uh, let's see, a few of the other ones that connected here. There was uh, the Hastings cover, uh, which when you look at the Hastings cover, it doesn't look like it connects to anything else. But when you actually line it up with some of the other ones, uh, the Star Wars and the Princess Leia, you find out it's actually one big scene. So it's pretty cool. Alright, so going into the issue here, uh, first looking at the cover, it's a very iconic image. It's Vader standing there, kind of doing a uh, Captain Morgan's pose, <laughs> uh, really, on, on the front. This is just the main regular cover. And there's he's standing like in his isolation room thing, capsule, that he puts himself in, that you see in Empire Strikes Back. And uh, he's got his lightsaber at a horizontal, and it's ignited. It's just a really, really cool image. Uh, When you open it up, it's just like the Star Wars issue. It starts with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away in the blue with the black behind it. And then you open it up and it says Star Wars Darth Vader. And with the stars behind it, it's a double page splash there. Then when you turn the page again, you have the Star Wars crawl, uh, which is really cool. And I'm glad that they're doing it. Um, But I'm just going to read the crawl here. So this way you kind of know where the story picks up at. So it says, book one, Vader. It is a period of insurgence. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base on a moon of Yavin have won a shocking surprise victory against the rightful reign of the Galactic Empire. The Empire's ultimate peacekeeping force, the Death Star, was destroyed due to an unforeseen design flaw. Without this deterrent, the rule of law is in danger. Chaos looms. For the 19 years after the vanquishing of the Jedi and his painful rebirth on Volcanic Mustafar, Sith Lord Darth Vader has faithfully served his master. But now he has failed the Emperor and must pay the price. Very ominous. Makes a lot of sense based on what happened. He's the lone survivor of the Death Star. He has to go back to the Emperor and explain what happened. Why did they fail? But first we get a page right almost out of Return of the Jedi where we have uh, Jabba's palace. It's the sand, twin moons of Tatooine. And then we see the entranceway, and we have a dark figure walking in the entranceway of Jabba's palace with light behind him. It looks very much uh, similar to when Luke entered Jabba's palace, uh, except now it's obviously Vader. You have a Gamorrean guard. He's sleeping on the job. You actually have two of them sleeping on the job with their, their pitchforks you know, standing there. Uh, Vader takes it upon himself to ignite his lightsaber and slashes them both down in their sleep. Then we have Bib Fortuna coming up to him and pointing out that uh, he needs to go away. It's in, you know, Bib's language, the uh, toilet language or Huttese language. I don't know which one he's using there. Vader says, I will speak with the Hut. Tell him, and he ignites his lightsaber. And Bib Fortuna just stands aside, then we walk in to the main palace and we see Big Fortuna waking up Jabba, saying, He's here, wake, master, wake. Uh, he's butchered the guards. And Jabba wakes up and he's like, You arrived a day early two, and killed two of my guards and expected me to deal with you. Then you open up to this double splash page, which is absolutely gorgeous. The art in this book is amazing. Uh, Salvador La Roca did exceptional work. It's by far, my favorite of the three Star Wars books, actually, four Star Wars books that are out right now. So it's absolutely amazing, and I, and I love the art in the other books, but this is by far the best. You have Max Rebo in the background, in in front, uh, you know, behind his keys, and he's covering his eyes. He's terrified. You got Four Loam is there. You got Gamorian Guards. You've got uh, IG 88 is there. Uh, you have uh, Boba Fett. Uh, Ponda Baba, uh, or at least uh, Qualish, uh, which is the species of Ponda Baba. Uh We also have Bosk is there. So you, you have a lot of your bounty hunter characters there. Darth Vader says, I have only killed two. Do not make me reconsider my generosity. Very reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back, where he's like, I've altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Um, so Java says, what can I do for the Empire? He says... Uh, dismiss the audience hut so jabba the hut makes all the onlookers go away and he says now what can i do for you and he says it's not for the empire it's for me and he says i will return here tomorrow as far as my official capacity but i have need of you to help me and uh jabba of course thinks he's using some type of jedi mind trick and he's like that's not going to work on the great jabba and uh Jabba notices he's skidding very close to the trap door that obviously everyone knows from Return of the Jedi is where Luke fell through. And uh, he actually said, Vader actually says talks about stepping carefully. And just as Jabba's about to put his hand on the trigger to release the trap door, Vader takes a step back. And uh, Jabba says, I see you know enough to step carefully, but tell me. Are you brave or foolish? And Vader says, That is not the question, Hut. The question is, Are you? And Jabba gets all like, Oh, haha, ha, whatever, um, because all of his guards and everything else have come back in. And Jabba says, Always making everything so difficult. Vader ignites his lightsaber. Huge battle takes place. Uh, he actually knocks a Gamorrean guard down into the trap door. Uh, he deflects a bunch of laser blasts killing those that were trying to kill him, uh, takes out takes down Rees, and uh, doesn't look like he kills him, and uh, it would make sense that he doesn't kill him, because we see him in Return of the Jedi. Uh, finally, Jabba says, Lord Vader, let us not be hasty, because he sees that Vader has defeated everybody around him. And Vader says, you called me a Jedi, you know nothing. Mind tricks are not of the dark side. He says, we prefer force, and he force chokes Jabba, and he's like, do we? Un- do you understand, and Jabba's like, yes. So Jabba says, you drive a hard bargain, it is difficult not to respect that, and uh, Vader says, better, this is what I need. And then we go back to a day earlier, and Vader is answering to the Emperor as far as what happened on Simon, which is what happened in Star Wars number one, so we know that this scene is taking place after Star Wars number one, two, and I believe three. As far as the comic issues, or part of three at least. So it kind of gives you some time time frame there and everything else. We find that they are going to actually torture the Admiral that was located at the at the base, the, the person, the overseer. It was uh, Ag- Agadeen is who the overseer was in Star Wars number one and going to find out what he knows and what he may have revealed, and uh, if nothing else, just to torture him. The Emperor says the Overseer will not fail again, but what of you, Vader? He sends Vader out to go negotiate with the Huts because eventually they are going to uh, take over the Outer Rim, and it's good to know your enemies and, and be able to know what, what you can do to overtake them. He also talks about how they're going to respond to the rebels, and how they have he has other plans besides uh, just rebuilding the, the Death Star. Vader's actually going to answer to Tag, which was one of the officers in the Death uh, in the original Death Star. He was actually off the Death Star at the time, so Vader doesn't like that. He doesn't like to have to answer to anybody. Emperor doesn't care what Vader thinks. So he just says, uh, you know, besides Lord Vader, a, a trip to Tatooine, I'm sure will be it will be sentimental. So he, that's where he's sending him out to, as we know from the beginning of the issue. Uh, Emperor walks in and says, ah, yes, good, I was expecting you. And we see this individual who is like a mishmash in the face of different species almost. It's like a gene hybrid. He's, he's got like an eye of a rhodian, but he's got like cybernetics on his face too, and And he's human at the same time, mostly human. And uh, Vader says, who is this master? And the Emperor says, no one you need know. So obviously someone that we're going to find out more about in the future. The Emperor then says to him, a lord of the Sith asking questions and expecting them to be meekly answered. You are a poor apprentice if you think so. He's like, is there anything else to report? And Vader thinks back to his battle against Obi-Wan and... How he took down Obi-Wan, and then how he felt the Force was strong with Luke in his battle, and how when he was on Simoon he held the lightsaber that Luke had and recognized it. He's like, the boy was. uh, Obi-Wan gave him my lightsaber. He's thinking back to all this, but then he turns to the Emperor and says, nothing trouble yourself with Master. So he decides he's not going to tell the Emperor what's going on. But it seems like the Emperor probably knows that something else is going on. Vader leaves. He reports to the uh, Star Destroyer. He tells the uh, the crew there that he's going to head down to Tatooine. He wants to be dropped off first at Tatooine, and then there to complete their mission, come back as scheduled. They, uh, the commander of it says, you know, we won't reach our deadlines if, if we do that, and Vader says then your engineers are substandard. Uh, are you expecting me to, uh, are you admitting that your crew is substandard? And of course the commander's like, no, we'll be there on time, Lord Vader. So definitely playing into uh, the fears that everyone has of Vader. We turn the page and we see uh, it says one day later. And now we have Vader standing over a cliff looking at the twin sons. And uh, someone says, you're the client. And Vader says, I am. And you're the best Jabba has. Are you bounty hunters up to the challenge? And we see Boba Fett when you turn the page. So a nice reveal there. He also has a giant Wookiee standing next to him, and this guy, this thing is huge. Uh, certainly looks bigger than Chewbacca, at least when you compare him to the, the size of Boba Fett standing there. Uh, so Boba Fett says, give us the mission, you'll see. We find out a little bit later, that, or like a page or so later, that the Wookiee's name is Kursantan, and it's really hard to pronounce that because it's K-R-R-S-A-N-T-A-N. And what Boba Fett's mission is that Vader's telling him there's an X-Wing pilot he knew in Obi-Wan Kenobi and he left this planet aboard a smuggling vessel called the Millennium Falcon. And Boba Fett says, well, do you want him alive or dead? And he says, alive, I, I have need of him. And so Boba Fett says, well, what of uh, Kersantan? And he's uh, Vader says, there's an agent, I want him traced. He is engaged in secret work for the Emperor. So Vader is sending this Wookiee after that guy that he just saw with the Emperor. Uh, Vader says, do not fail me. And Boba Fett says, the only time I fail is if you hired me to fail. I'll get this kid. Uh, Black Kursantin's guy may not have all their limbs when he delivers them, but they won't get away. So his full name is Black Kursantin, or that's how he's known. Vader says, good, then let us make our start immediately. I've been delayed on this planet long enough, and all my present business is concluded. And you turn the page, and there's just fiery huts all around Vader, and there's a bunch of dead sand people. And as we know from Revenge of the Sith, and I believe it was even Attack of the Clones, Vader hates the sand people with good reason. They basically killed his mom. So... Uh, When he returned to Tatooine and he found that his mother was dead, that's really the the big turning point for him to go to the dark side, in my opinion. Others might think there's other moments, but to me that was, you know, he was so attached to his mom, and then he goes back and finds out that his mom's dead, and he blames everyone, including himself, for what occurred. But mostly he turns it outwards towards all those around him, especially the sand people. And the issue ends there, and we have in... Black background with blue text, you know, writer Kieran Gillen, artist Salvador La Roca, colorist Edgar Delgado, letterer VC's Joe Caramanga, uh, cover artist Adi Granov, assistant editor Charles Beecham, editor Jordan D. White, executive editors C.B. Sobolski and Mike Martz, editor in chief Axel Alonzo, chief creative officer Joe Casada, and publisher Dan Buckley. Uh, it's for Lucasfilm. Uh, we have senior editor Jennifer Heddle, Lucasfilm Story Group, Rain Roberts, Pablo Hidalgo, and Leland Chi, and it says Disney and Lucasfilm. So of course you got Disney, you got Lucasfilm, you have got Marvel, all of it together, and it's just an awesome issue. It's the art is gorgeous. You have Jabba and Vader squaring off against each other, which I'm sure is something a lot of people have wanted to see over the years. Um, and it's the like I said, the art is so cool because it's very movie quality. It's very real-world quality. It's just super detailed, super involved. The, the coloring is beautiful. It adds so much to the art. The story is a lot of fun. Now, I have read issues two and three. I have not read issues four and five yet. I do have them, but I haven't read them yet. But issue two was a, a little bit... It was a lot more political dialogue going on. It was still good, but it was... a little bit more on the borrow side this first issue i definitely give a buy i give a very high buy um i still like star wars number one better as far as the story and art combined uh this i like the art better than star wars number one so um but this is definitely a high buy to to check out the first issue like i said the second issue kind of drops a little bit for me to a borrow uh like i said it's just a lot more political talk which is kind of and it's what made the prequels not as great in my eyes as the original trilogy. So once you get to the third issue, it picks up again. You get an awesome character named Afra that are, or Afra. I'm not really sure how you pronounce it, but I've been pronouncing it Afra. And she's like this smuggler Han Solo type female character. Really cool. Um, she's also good at uh, fixing droids and fixing things. So it's kind of a little bit Anakin in her in that respect. So Vader kind of I think, sees some of that. Yeah, so it's just a really, really cool, like, number three picks up really awesomely. And, you know, it's well worth checking out. I think you're going to like the new characters that are introduced. So definitely check out Darth Vader uh, as a series. I cannot recommend it enough. Marvel's doing an awesome job when it comes to Star Wars. All right, with that, I'll go ahead and won't keep you here any longer. I'm going to go ahead and get you guys over to... The Hasbro panel from JoeCon, you're going to hear a lot of awesome stuff come out that's coming out later in the year, why they did things. I think you guys will be happy to hear why Hasbro's doing these things. And, uh, yeah, so I'll catch you on the other end of this.
2: Long, long it's great to be back. Much bigger turnout than in last year's Hasbro panel. <laughs> 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 we weren't here. Sorry we weren't. But uh, we're back and hopefully you know we'll never we'll never leave. Um, that's that's the idea. So um, thank you very much for turning out today, guys. Um, you know it's uh, we were able to save some things to show you this year and that's that's what we're gonna take you through. Um, Mark, why don't you uh, Good morning,
0: and my first show con, so I'm thrilled to be here. I've had a chance to meet some of you already, hope to meet the rest of you as the convention goes on. Our booth will be more interesting after the panel, Uh, and either Daryl or I should be around for the rest of the convention, and really want to talk to fans, get to know the fans, let them get to know me a little bit, and as we all move forward, and get some G.I. Joe's. So, we're going to start with meeting the team. It's a, a small team, uh, but focus. Uh, and most of you, I think, know or have met Daryl the Priest. But some things you might not know, wrote the collectible G.I. Joe in 1998. joined Hasbro in 2001. He has more G.I. Joe's than you. <laughs> almost, almost. Uh, but he does also have more wine shirts than chucks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <That is> <laughs> now, I'm, I'm new to the team, but not new to the brand. Uh, I, I haven't had the chance to meet you yet. There's my beauty shot. It doesn't get prettier than that. That's no, as good no. as I got. Uh, officially, I'm the manager of global brand development. I joined Hasbro in 2012. I managed the Transformers generation segment up until September of last year. Lifetime 3 and quarter collector. So, this is not <laughs> Most interestingly, my skin turns purple in the sun. <laughs> well done.
2: So, I want to say, we're we're the, the team that's here, but we're not the only team that's working on GI Joe, so we're representing our design and our engineering and our project management team and packaging team, um, you know, we have... a we have a, uh, a whole team that's dedicated and passionate uh, behind G.I. Joe. We just couldn't uh, get any of them here uh, this weekend. They're all, you know, hard at work on Joe-related and other things, too. So uh, our main designer is John Violet. So um, John, we were trying to get here, but he's, he's got a pressing project, and I, we had to let him not come. So he gave us his notes for inspiration, which we're going to salt in uh, throughout the presentation. So John Violet is also, he was the designer of last year's TRU 50th line, the designer of um, the, the line we're going to show you, and we're working on John for the future of, of Joe. So he effectively took over for John Warden, who many of you, you know, um, remember and, and love very well. So um, he kind of took the, the, the baton handoff, and on our first conversations with John Violet, we realized he's just as crazy and deep into Joe as John Warden was, so you've got a spirit. He's got a little bit of a different approach, but uh, that spirit and that passion runs deep. It's 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 you guys personified. So um,
0: moving ahead, next thing we're going to get into is uh, how the Joe Brand is being activated with some of our
2: partners out there, and Daryl's going to walk you through. So, yeah, so. Um, the the G.I. Joe brand, of course, has such a deep heritage in American pop culture that we have a lot of uh, folks who come to us and want to partner with us on. Um, expressing that. And so we've got some great partners and there's a lot more to come here too. So I'm just going to give you a sample here. Um, first of all, it's IDW Publishing and you know they're a great program. Fantastic storytelling partners uh, to have here. Um, and they've got three current books. The, uh, the first book is written by Karen Travis, the core G.I. Joe book. It's a very different approach to G.I. Joe. And what we love about that is it it it's kind of typical of what GI Joe and comics represent. GI Joe has been such a different mutable canvas where you can tell lots of different stories. You see a lot of different experimentation over the years. And Karen's got a, another unique take on GI Joe. Um, Larry Hama's book, you know, remains you know front and center, one of the cornerstones of the line. And we couldn't be prouder to. Continue to work with Larry to bring out you know new storytelling that ties to the, the core you know uh, stories that that we loved growing up. I say we. I, I read it later than a lot of you guys did, but <laughs> so that's what I fell into the spell with you know in GI Joe. I started reading Larry's comics and then whoosh you know I you know I had to be absorbed into the three and three quarter world as well. So it's a dream come true to see Larry's um, vision continue. And then of course occasional. Um, series stories the one current one by Mike Costa you know an amazing writer who just does such amazing stories anyway IDW is a fantastic partner and we look forward to kind of the next generation as it evolves one really special new project that was started um, uh, about a year and a half ago I think is a partnership with Amazon and their Kindle worlds program now what's really different in today's world um, you know, social media and the ability to distribute content has upended everything. You know, the Internet has been the most disruptive innovation of our lives. And at the same time, it presents unique opportunities. Everybody has a voice. I was talking to some folks earlier. Is DeWitt out here in the audience? DeWitt, right there. So DeWitt and I go back to the early days of Usenet newsgroups, right? All of that toys, that G.I. Joe, back in the, in the day when we were posting really the first time that people could start to post publicly you know, our our passion and kind of contribute to the lore and collecting of G.I. Joe today that that can be expressed in a much different way. Partnering with Kindle Worlds, we have been one of the very first brands that has allowed us to give control to the fans. And Kindle Worlds is a publishing program where where literally fans can can immerse themselves, they can own G.I. Joe and write their own visionary storytelling for G.I. Joe. you know, unlike, you know, other companies that may say, well, that's not, you know, canon or that's not official. We're, you know, we're kind of letting you, the fans, dem- you know, democratically embrace Kindle Worlds. You know, and and I'm very proud to say that on Kindle Worlds, we have, you can put up the titles now. Um, these are some of the authors who will be here today on the panel. So Justin Bell, um, Bill Nidro, Troy Oz, get amazing writers. <laughs> Have not only embraced the idea of, of, you know, writing stories. They've chosen to spend their time and efforts and energy writing GI Joe fiction. It's absolutely amazing. But the success story for me for Kindle Worlds is not just amazing books. And, and Mark has been absorbing, you know, all of these. But and these are great stories. It's that GI Joe is the third most popular universe of. Fan fiction on Kindle Worlds. Um, I think it's behind a vampire fiction, you know, one and something else. But the writers continue to pour their their heart and soul into this, and and it shows just what how rich G.I. Joe is and how much passion, you know, fans have and unique, you know, storytelling entries in there. So this is an amazing, amazing program, and the success that G.I. Joe has had here. Is, is a testament, I think, to how powerful the brand is and was to your childhood. And I salute the authors who continue to put their stamp on this. Um, and I encourage everybody to, to read these and pick up the ones. And Mark can, you know, be, a, be another sounder. So thank you again, guys. And uh, come to the panel in a couple hours. We're up. We'll actually, we'll, we'll be there as well. Uh, I think I'll be... Sharing this. We'll have a very special announcement that will tie together Kindle Worlds and the world of action figures. Next. Um, In the world of video games, there's going to be a lot of very interesting things unfolding in the next couple of years for G.I. Joe, but I want to talk about two uh, real quick. G.I. Joe Strike. um, Hasbro took a a controlling interest in Backflip Studios, one of the lead app um, game developers um, a couple of years ago and we're seeing their first G.I. Joe game called G.I. Joe Strike. It's a, it's a fun, um, little, I wouldn't say it's a little game, it's a, an ambitious game for an app game, but that will be coming out, I think, in a month, um, called G.I. Joe Strike, so look look at that uh, from Backflip. And then also a super cool game that came out, actually, at the beginning of the month is from Linden Labs, a version of their highly successful Blocks World games. They came to us and said, we want to license G.I. Joe and do a playable world with Blocks World. And if you guys haven't experienced this, maybe your kids have. It's a, have a super cool um, experience here, and we've given them the iconic, uh, you know, G.I. Joe library vehicles. So this is just a sampling of the things that are going on with G.I. Joe in addition to, you know, the core toy line at Toys R Us right now. But more will come in the future. And I think one thing that everybody asks us is, you know, what's going on with the, the movie? the next movie. So, you know, we'll tell you GF03 is an idea <laughs> that uh, there has been some public announcements out there, um, not not by Hasbro, but um, little snippets of news. We're not going to disavow any of those. So it is a uh, it is a project that's moving forward and, you know, as um, as we work with the filmmakers, you know, we'll, uh, we'll continue to develop that. So we see that as the next big evolution of Joe, or the big at least amplification of, of Joe at retail, but where we don't have any information, any concrete news for GI Joe 3 to announce, that'll be Paramount to announce, um, but that will, uh, you know, hopefully before too long, um, you know, become very public. So, we're here to tell you today how we're going to continue our uh, 50th anniversary plan. There you go. And product? Yeah. So
0: 2015, uh, as I said in my interview with the G.I. Joe magazine, it's going to be similar constructively to what we did in 2014, and that means working with Toys R Us. who has been a fantastic partner for the Joe brand. So look forward to new product at Toys R Us coming this fall. If we want to take a little bit of a comparison, throw up a size chart looking at two packs, three packs, vehicle packs. 2014, we gave you four two packs. This year, we will give you five. We gave you three, three packs, this year we will give you four. And we had two vehicle packs last year, and this year we will give you two, but a BIGGER, two. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's take a look. Starting with our vehicle box sets coming out this fall, Cat Toys R Us. And introducing the Desert Duel with the elite horseman from the Cobra Troops, and he's elite because he drives the Cobra Basilisk.
2: So, a common thread that you'll see across our vehicle paths is the idea of some of our favorite, most iconic vehicles being co-opted by the enemy. The enemy could be either G.I. Joe or Cobra taking and, and using their equipment and this, the basilisk, was actually directly inspired by the club's use of the snowcat in a super cool land-based way. Once we saw that, we said, it's been hiding in plain sight all this time that this, this awesome vehicle can be used in you know many different ways other
0: than just a snow-based uh, setting. And so here, Cobras captured it. And uh, two things I wanted to, to make clear. Everything that we show you today will be on display in our case in about an hour, as quick as we can put it together and put it up. Uh, And we are showing you the entire 15-line here today, so we're holding nothing back, everything gets shown at ShowCon. It's a desert duel, though, so you have to fight somebody, so... ...somebody wanted Juggles.
2: The only character I can cosplay with my closet. (laughs) (laughs) And you might, if you can tell, you have to look kind
0: of closely, maybe, but the, it's a brand new head sculpt for Chuckles, and it's based off his look in Mike Costa's last, last storyline from my beginning. If it's not everybody's favorite, it should be close. Uh, so, Chuckles, of course, needs to rise, are introducing the foe striker. And foe, of course, meaning forward observation encampment. Uh, that's maybe a familiar gun, but it's never been on an awe striker before, or a foe striker. So, take a look at the new Canon, and what's
1: a forward encampment look like? Now, I, I
0: like to say it looks pretty good except for the canopy, because I cut the canopy out of felt, because it wasn't back from the factory in time. So, the, the canopy itself will get a little sharper, and we'll get a little more camo uh, when we get something in from the factory. So, look for
2: updated photography of that. Now, there's a number of new tool parts on here to take what is a, a, just a great canvas, the Austriker canvas, and, um, and give it a totally new twist. So, again, I give it, we give a ton of credit to John Violet for really thinking of a very new way to use this, and we, we love the environmental specific aspect to it. But on the front of the vehicle, you notice those are the, um, the jerry cans from the vamp, and they, they've had a new uh, tool piece to house that, plus a driver's shield. Um, there's some new tooling modifications to the cage, so the, um, the, the gun can be put up on top as well as the connection points for the, um, um, for the uh, canopy cover there. So.
0: And you've got your machine guns attached uh, to both kind of wings that rotate out from the driver and passenger side. So that's when we look at the bow striker, but as I said, you get two vehicle sets. So we definitely want to show you the silent strike which includes a new look at the Hiss tank. Uh, and not just bright orange in a septic tank sort of homage, but that's a brand new turret up there uh, with a new rail gun that you'll get a good look at uh, in the case a little later on. And if it's a hiss tank, it has to have a hiss driver. But one thing that always struck me is that you know, there was always a hiss driver, but there was never a hiss gunner. And that someone's got to be up there, so... We have a a tag team partner, first time. Oh.
2: So he's um, he's basically a his driver with um, I think it's the Night legs on this, but a, a brand new you know trooper type that we haven't seen before. Again, it's something that's been so obvious after how many uh, seven versions of the his tank today we've never had a gunner, but now we do. So the
0: Silent Strike is again a, a sort of a dual pack. So you have your hiss tank, and it's going to
2: fight.
0: A new look at our GI Joe Sky Striker.
2: So this is a stealth-inspired Sky Striker. It's not the Night Force, but it's more a uh, stealth-inspired deco with some really new um, decals and tampo to be radar resistant. So if it's a Sky Striker, it has to have a pilot. And if it's a Sky Striker,
0: it's probably Ace. Ace, one of my favorite shows growing up. So nice to see a new look at Ace with a new helmet. Actually, I think it's Skydive's helmet. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this is something I'm, I'm particularly excited about. I really like new characters in Joe. As much as we all love the old ones, I think you need brand new characters, too. And so to help spot for Ace on the ground, we're introducing a brand new character. a sight
2: Okay, so Sightline is a Ford observer character. He's not the uh, not the first one. I think that was Bomb Strike um, that we uh, that we had. But um, this character is is actually uh, pretty special. I'm gonna get all, all choked up. Uh, Elizabeth, do you hear? Let's see. There she is. Hi, Elizabeth. So, um, Elizabeth and the kids. So this figure was well in development um, when we got the tragic news of Gary's passing, but we hadn't yet created the packaging on any of the art for this, or in fact gone very far on the file card. We just knew we had a Ford observer character named Sightline, who, as you notice, is a goggled character. So when we got the, got the news, um, we we quickly said, wow, how can how can we pay tribute to such an, a, an important part of our collecting community? Um, you know, Gary, touched us touched us all in ways that will continue to reverberate um, forever, I really think. The community has been forever changed, I think, because of you know, Gary's presence and, and what he did. So we, we looked for a way to make a tribute and kind of it was, it was hiding in plain sight. Not only did we have a goggled figure, we hadn't named that figure. Now Hasbro has a policy that we no longer name any of our characters after real people. Even if they're Hasbro employees, if there are fans on the outside who had a hand in the creation of our figures, we just don't do that anymore. It's policy across all of our lines. However, we went to legal and we challenged that. We said, "Here's, you know, here's here's someone who who, who touched us all, touched the community, and we want to break this rule. How do we do that? You know, we're working hand in hand with you." And they gave us some instructions. And I reached out to. To Elizabeth, and I said, We'd actually like to pay tribute to Gary and name our character. Go ahead and you can reveal it. In um, Chicago. Give it a place of birth, Gary's place of birth, and actually name the figure after Gary. She said, "Absolutely, that this is this is great." So, um, what is symbolic about this figure? It, in many ways, it, it, it really hit us. It's a you know, it's a goggle figure. It's perfect. It, it fits what Gary was about. But in many ways, his this guy's role on the team was to be in advance, out in front of everybody, kind of a visionary, if if you would, and have a unique perspective that would that would help the Joe team. And in many ways, that's so symbolic. Of what Gary brought to the community. I mean, he was, you know, smug, and elitist and arrogant. That's those are his own words, not mine. Um, <laughs> and in collecting by its nature can be a very selfish pursuit, right? I've collected GI Joe for decades and, and I've seen the the covetness, covetousness, I don't even know if that's a word, but the the, the secretiveness that we use sometimes when collectors, that we collectors, we, we want to hold on to information and not let anybody chase the same thing we're chasing. So in a very, what can be a selfish pursuit, Gary was completely the opposite. I mean, I've never seen anybody who, you know, was into sharing the friendship and the camaraderie. And he, and I I say this with all candor in my decades in G.I. Joe, I've never seen somebody who broke the conventions of collecting to build the fabric of a community and make it stronger than ever before. It was the opposite of selfishness. So, again, Elizabeth, you know, this is our, our way to you know, um, contribute a, a lasting legacy. So, thank you very much for helping shape the husband.
0: So, that wraps up our vehicle packs and moves to our versus two packs. Um, sort of our, our bread butter spew. And kind of nice to follow up, the, the tribute to Gary was something that Sort of was out there, but sort of wasn't. People have been waiting for it, at least a little bit. Does anybody have a red flag? And if there's been one common theme when I've talked to fans this weekend, it's been blowtorch. Well, how can I get blowtorch? Where's your blowtorch? <laughs> Gotta have more blowtorch. So if we're going to give you one, try get
2: Identical, the exact figures. And and we promise these are coming to retail (laughs) this fall. It's not April 1st. They are coming.
0: Let your swamp steam to pack. Another thing we've heard loud and clear is a lot of people give me their opinion on army builders and troop builders. And my response back is, I've already heard it. I hear it all the time because I have a troop builder. I report to a troop builder. So, importantly... If you're going to have a troop builder, you should probably have two troop builders.
2: So this is what makes our approach a little bit different than last year's 50th, in the the sense that we we actually, we know the pain of having to buy two figures to get one that you really want. So our approach is going to be, when we're going to do troop builder two-packs, actually make them a two-pack, so you don't mind getting a second army builder that you can get. So that's a little bit of a different slice. Now the other thing that we're here to do today, Mark, you didn't notice, he loves market research. His name is Mark, after all, so he is he dedicated himself to listening and absorbing all of the figures that you guys want to see you know, brought back and re-released, um, because we do have some limits on the number of new figures we can make, but we've got a good opportunity to re-release figures. So if there are ones you want to see, we definitely want to know that. And this is an example of figures that you know we did some research on and figure very, very high demand. We'll get those back. It's hopefully the start of more things that we can do along these lines.
0: So that's our troop build-up two-pack. Next up, we have a classic clash and a brand new logo for you guys to look at from the vault. <laughs> <laughs> so who doesn't want Vols? We're bending reality a little bit here because this is actually a GI Joe figure, but there's no Joe logo on them, no Cobra logo on them. So Storm Shadow tends to kind of come and go in March to the beat of his own drum. So if you watch a cartoon, you know it's our soldiers. And
2: the, the reason these two are paired together is John Violet, again our, our designer. Um, he he decided that he really hadn't seen the iconic take on the um, the 1988 Storm Shadow he wanted. So he, Storm Shadow has a new head and new legs, but then he was looking who to pair him with, and he said, well, the Snake Eyes is the cliche, but actually, he got some information, it might have been from, from somebody here, that in the cartoon, Snake, uh, Storm Shadow actually fought Spirit more than any other G.I. Joe character, so there's a natural pairing there, and he had a new take he wanted to do on Spirit. So With Spirit, it's largely a Franken and Joe, but it, you know, super cool version using, the, I guess, the jungle spirit head, so. So that's our classic class. More to
0: come, of course, The Hunt for Cobra Commander. This is, uh, John Violet had an original
2: take on what Cobra Commander could look like. Oh, nice. I don't know how you describe this this one.
0: It's I don't know, it's a classic gum and a classic look and two peanut butter jars, apparently.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Down at the bottom. Kind of a, I don't know,
0: Crimson Garden Review dress outfit or something. I'm not sure. But the battle helmet. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a good look. I like it. It's and a, it's then, a great look. someone has to hunt him. So from the vault, we'll yeah. give you a shipwreck. Yeah. That's, a, that's a
2: slightly different
0: deco of Polly. I'm not sure if it's a, I think it might be a little different. I know if you if you take the best off of Shipwreck, it says Navy right across his chest. So it's a, it's a it's great a, piece. It's a good classic look for him. Now, if you like your Cobra Commanders hooded rather than battle helmeted, there will be a second head, so you can dress him as you prefer. And that guy's based on the, uh, the retaliation Cobra uh, <laughs> Commander. So that's our hunt for Cobra Commander. And then last but not least, we have a set called Marine Devastation. And, of course, from Valdez, we'd like to show you our Cobra Shadow Guard.
2: Yeah.
0: Good figure. Uh, Why but, is
2: it called Marine Devastation?
0: Well, it, it's not aquatic. <laughs> but we listen to the bands, we know it's not.
2: We'd love to see it. Awesome
0: figure. And I'm not sure if that, if the image even does it justice. This is a really big figure. So we take a look at him in the case. It looks like the kind of guy you do not want to mess with. So. Thank you
2: for giving it back the m 79. There you
0: go. And one of the things that um, John Violet pointed out on this was that he meticulously color matched this to the 1983 gum-ho. So that blue is the exact same blue that his little brother wore 30-some you know, years ago. So that takes us uh, from our two packs. We also have our three packs, which have been very popular with the collectors, and we'll have more of them coming up, including the chase from the mass device.
2: Now, a a couple of these, like you saw in the two packs, are going to be re-releases. The idea behind this one was that fifth, that five of five mass device set was so hard to find, but the figures are in super high demand. So we noticed that. So we took those four figures, and we actually split them into two different packs. So the first one, straight re-release, Cobra Claws Trooper. We've got the uh, glider Cobra Commander. And then, uh, what line wouldn't be complete without a, a Duke? So these are re-released figures. So take those three, but really the, uh, the super high demand one was the um, was the alpine figure,
0: which comes in our Rock Rampage set, which gives you a Cobra Shock Trooper and a Rock Viper. Oh, Again,
2: yeah. yeah, is everyone this? <laughs> so. Sorry to the folks who have already paid like fifty or sixty dollars at the show for these speakers. You know, some of these speakers, um, they're coming out again. It gives you a chance to haggle up on the floor though and say, "Hey." You
0: know. <laughs> so that's our Rock Rampage three-pack. And then the Vanishing Act, which gives you some uh, some new accessories on a
2: classic Deco Torpedo. So this is John's his version, signature version of the A13 Torpedo. His Deco. And one of the things I'm always happy about uh, from
0: Transformers and into Joe is when we get a name back that we haven't been able to use. And so just being able to call this guy Torpedo makes me very, very happy. That's nice. And then uh, his partner on the night patrol. (laughs) And this is one... uh, (laughs) Now, the the, the prototype. Yeah, there's a caveat to this one and what you'll see up in the case what we got from the factory is not exactly what we wanted to be, so it will be closer to this image. The one in the case is kind of all gray, and when I say all gray, I mean all gray. <laughs> yeah, it so looks like a, It's like
2: the uh, Truvian Spartan is all gray. So if you, if you can help us defend that online, when people go, it looks all gray. So what How we're told that? so what we're doing is adding some of the iconic. Um, you know, tiger striking to his face and to his forearms, very similar to the club's deco mask for uh, for the iconic hit and run. So, new take on hit and run, almost a night force hit and run. So you get torpedo and hit and
0: run, but who are they chasing? Yeah! It's a good looking Zarkan right there. Crossbow is I'm new for fun. him, uh, and you know who, else, who better to chase through the dark than Zartan? The Vanishing Axe three pack. Gives away to Sneak Attack, which is a totally different look at a couple iconic characters, including what Dusty dresses up like at night.
2: Everybody wanted a blue Dusty. Very much. Well, you're going to get it. Thanks. I don't think anybody asked for this, but this is John's signature take on a couple of characters. It's a blue period.
0: We like to think this is Bazooka's Road jersey. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and it's kind of the Carolina Panthers version okay, I think. well eventually we'll do all the teams <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if the picture uh, does
0: it justice but this is another large figure even in, in gun color your bookend and tackles uh, but who are they
2: after? Firefly oh, nice. so it's kind of a reverse gray version of the uh, Firefly so John had this idea first of all he He's updated him with all the, the best weapons we, we have to choose from, but then he he kind of yeah, reversed out, I guess, the 83 uh, color pattern for it. It's kind of a different look on Butterfly.
0: So that wraps up Speak Attack, and as we get towards the end here, we do have some Hasbro convention exclusives to show you.
2: So just to end, so all the Toys R Us items are scheduled to be on shelf on '81, so all of them will hit 8.1. And, um, yeah, so that that's the TRU line. We've got two items our Comic-Con
0: convention exclusives so coming to San Diego. And we'll show you first our Crimson Strike.
2: So this is touching on what we said earlier, kind of flipping some conventional uh, vehicles that have never been flipped before. Here is the Sky Striker as if uh, captured by Cobra and outfitted for, I don't know what, the Crimson Twins ceremonial flyover. <laughs> but the deco here is actually, you know, as we were looking at the Sky Striker, there's some really cool molded-in details here that almost look like the, the serrations of a, of a snake. So we talked to John, and we said, you know what, this is... there's some I and mean, you'll see it when you see the model, but there's something very cobra-like here. What can you do with it? He said, I don't know what I can do with it. So he, his idea was to, to deco it as if the cobra is striking. So it's kind of the back of the cobra leaning forward with the with the jaws of the cobra, and it ties in nicely to the to the deco that's actually on the sky striker. It's like it was always meant to you know, to, to, to be there for, to be a Cobra version someday. So, Cobra Scythe. Scythe. It's an advanced jet, but it
0: doesn't fly itself. And, uh, much like the silent strike, it needs somebody on the ground as well. So, it has an Alley Viper officer to help spot on the ground, and then the pilot as well in the Air Viper advanced flight. So, that's your Cobra half of it, but it does have to fight something on the ground. There you go. So if they can take a sky striker, I don't see why Joe can't take a hiss with the brand new railgun turret. Yeah.
2: Super cool look
0: to this. We put this together and uh and influenced a lot by the early Joe vehicles, the rapid assault motorcycle and, and the heavy artillery laser. So when we were trying to name this, we tried to figure out exactly what we were looking at, and we figured that it was a captured hiss integrated, mobile, energy, gun, advanced. Add that all up, and you have the G.I. Joe Kyner. So
2: it's a one-of-a-kind. You can true-build it if you want. It costs you a lot given that it's a Comic-Con exclusive, but very cool tape-con, uh, you know, the classic ESPN
0: character. He comes with
2: two characters as well, and guys, I think you know,
0: someone who can shoot and someone who can drive. (laughs) And to throw a tiny Easter egg out there for you, John Violet is from Pennsylvania, and so is Steeler. That's the Steeler name. So if you look real close, he's got a logo, but only on one side of this (laughs) hat. So that's our Crimson Strike pack. I think we avoided NFL infringement. Absolutely. So one of the things that I think uh, is really cool is the the box that it's going to come in. Some really, really nice uh, artwork there. And this is the Hasbro Toy Shop exclusive. So you'll be able to get this from the Hasbro Toy Shop this July Comic oh. uh, We do have two. We have uh, a different take, uh, a little bit on the Desert Duel. We've up that pack a bit. Comic-Con, by now you're very familiar with the Cobra Basilisk and the driver, the Elite Horseman, will be a bonus figure that comes that is exclusive to the Comic-Con pack, and it's a different look at our Cobra Air Trooper, and that figure will only be
2: available in that Comic-Con pack. So that's a forward, uh, forward observer, forward spotter for Cobra, kind of the first time you've done that for
0: Cobra as well. And you've seen the Foe Striker, you'll see a Foe Striker in this pack as well as well as the encampment with my uh, Bad Michael's Home Improvement <laughs> Canopy, which will get better. Uh, and then you've seen Chuckles, of course, who will come in the mainline pack. But there will be an exclusive figure
2: in the Comic-Con pack, and it has got a guy called Night Fox. Oh, so this will be, uh, I think, a better version of Night Fox. We've done two times now. The last time was a crappy figure in, in uh, retaliation. So this is a, this will be a better version of Night Fox. So what makes this set different? This set is kind of like the Danger at the Docks version that Entertainment Earth sold for Toys R Us last year, Comic-Con. And Entertainment Earth will be selling this. This is a Toys R Us Comic-Con exclusive. The, the thing that's different though than, than last year is that it will come with two extra figures. It'll be the main base set you can get at Toys R Us, and it's these two extra figures that are going to differentiate it. Unlike last year, though, um, oh, the box The, boxer. the boxer. Um, This set will not go to brick and mortar. So, assuming it doesn't sell out at Comic Con, and, and I think we brought a quantity that, that probably will. If it doesn't sell out, it'll probably go to brick and mortar, but it's not, or sorry, it will go online. It's not slated to go to brick and mortar. Although we can't speak on behalf of Toys R Us on this one, so we don't know what their, their plan is, but we'll try and find out so you guys have an understanding, just in case there's leftover in the tour. So you've got some really, really nice box art, and two things to pick from. You can buy
0: the Desert Duel, and you can buy the Crimson Strike, but if you buy them both, and set them up side by side that's one big mural and if you like that I'll pub up the uh, charity auction tonight because we created a one of a kind print of that art 40 inches by 14 inches that will be available only tonight at the Jokan charity auction so you'll have to outbid me for that That, this is a cool piece (laughs) and that is one more thing for our Creole fans, and unfortunately, we're not allowed to say what it is. So we said, if we can't say it, could we bring in a guest speaker? And they said yes. Unfortunately, he can't tell you either. So stay tuned. This is something we're going to have a, a larger scale release for. You'll find out shortly. And
2: confident, they like what we're going to do. This will be a very, very cool set. And um, some other folks have asked about what's the status of Creo. So Creo is a very important initiative uh, for us at Hasbro, and we're taking a long-term you know, future of it. We know that Toys R Us is clearing out some of the current Creo stuff, and the, and the Creo team had some great uh, G.I. Joe um, items designed to go into retail um, within the next year. That uh, right now we're looking for the the home, and we're hopeful that we'll find a retail partner to get that. But that, you know, is a couple of great waves of figures and some other um, sets. Um, So we hope that continues. But Creo will have a long future for us, and I'm sure when, you know, we have an announcement of GI Joe 3, Creo is going to play a big big part of that. It's been a wonderful expansion of the Joe brand uh, for the last few years. We've been able to do some great sets, and hopefully, you know, that will continue uh, long into the future as well.
0: And that's our last
2: slide. Thank you for coming, and thank you guys.
0: All
1: right, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I hope you love the Hasbro panel. Like I was excited to hear what they're coming up with and what they're coming out with. I'll uh, and give our information here, so you can find us at Starjoes.com. You can find us at the. You can. Uh, Interact with us at the theforumforgeeks.com. You can sign up and join the forum there and interact with us every day. You can also like us on Facebook. We've been adding a lot of people to Facebook. Thank you guys for, for liking us on Facebook and interacting with us on there. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Star joe's Podcast. Uh, you can email us at StarJoesPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, leave us a voicemail. Our voicemail is four four zero nine four 941 joes 440941 Joe's. We'll play the voicemail in the future and respond to it. Please leave us an iTunes review. You can uh, go right on iTunes and give us one star to five stars and then your reasons why. We'd really appreciate it and we'll read those in future episodes. See, you can, I think that's everything. You can find us on uh, Stitcher Radio. It's a free app for your mobile devices and you can make Star Joe's one of your favorites on there. So, with that I believe that's everything I look forward to bringing you guys more comic information in the future comic reviews as well as more just Star Joe's goodness so with that we'll go ahead and say the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle take care everyone
2: fight for freedom, wherever there's trouble GI Joe is there.
0: You can make it go left, right, forwards, and backwards. The G.I. Joe Battle Tank.
2: Smash the blockade! What a tank!
0: Each sold separately. The G.I. Joe Motorized Battle Tank comes with G.I. Joe. Batteries not included. From Hasbro. (coughs)